you get out of alignment of yourself and what it is you need and who you are, then you start listening to someone else telling you and, and like, it's what worked for them. Just like me sitting here saying that this worked for me. I want to, I want to make sure what I'm saying may not work for anybody, but for me, man, it worked. And it started with getting curious about me and tuning everything else out. Mm-hmm. And so I just took all sorts of dramatic changes. You know, I've, I've, I've because I'm in, technology and, and music, I still need to be in social media, but I use that differently, right? I All notifications are off. All the apps are not on the home screen of my phone. Um, you know, the best app on your phone is airplane mode, right? Like just anytime I can. And so I check in with it a couple of times a day. I let myself, but it's more about me posting something that's of interest to me and not worrying about whether people like it or comment on it because, you know, whatever they think of me is none of my business. So- listen to the vibes welcome everyone to another episode of listen to the vibes and i'm welcoming welcoming mr sean walbridge all the way from canada onto my show and he is a a drummer and what the the list goes on and on but i'm gonna let him tell a little bit more about himself so sean the floor is yours hey kyle nice to meet you um do you want me to introduce myself okay yeah i'm uh what do I how, how do I describe myself these days? I, I describe myself as a drummer first, uh, a bit of a citizen scientist, uh, and these days a renaissance man. But that's a big, big change for me. So uh, basically the last year and a half, I've been deconstructing the life that I had built um, over 20 odd years um, as a computer consultant. Um, thought that that's what I wanted to keep doing because it paid the bills. Um, actually started a company that uh, for all the wrong reasons, it turns out, um, was very successful at it for a while until I wasn't. uh, And then kind of had a series of ego deaths over the last four years that shook me to my core and left me going, well, this isn't how I want to live the rest of my life. And being a guy in technology and knowing that um, it is quite possible to live to 130 or 150 uh, in people in my age group, it's actually going to be possible based on modern science and everything else. I just thought, well, I don't want to feel crappy for the next 80 years, so I better do something about it. So I, I uh, started taking care of myself in ways that I hadn't before. Um, yeah, so I, it kind of took me from doing a job that I was very good at, people um, respected me for, but I personally loathed. Um, and yeah, over time been deconstructing that back to, you know what, I just want to travel and play my drums and meet people and help people. And so I'm basically trying, well, not trying, I am starting to slot those pieces into place. Um, and it's kind of going pretty good. So I, I'm kind of excited to see where I am in six months. Cause the last six months have been bananas as I, uh, make all these changes. And uh, you've had some health concerns and wanted to kind of change that around. All sorts of stuff, man. I uh, I used to be 310 pounds. Uh, That was as recent as four years ago. Um, I, uh, and, you know, wasn't lazy. I was always playing sports. I'm a drummer, you know, uh, walked all the time. So I wasn't physically inactive, but I don't know. Looking back, it was all the usual blind spots of um, eating when I shouldn't or eating what isn't good for me or eating to bury feelings 
Uh, my big thing was booze for sure. I was a, a very successful alcoholic. Mm. Um, and uh, that was start, started to take hold, especially as COVID comes in and you're, you're sitting at home and um, you know, there's no place to go and socialize. So you, how do you socialize? You have a drink and you do it at home. And when you start realizing that you're doing it alone sometimes and, or, uh, hiding bottles from your wife so that she doesn't get uh, angry when she looks at the recycling, you know, you start having a bit of a wake up call. Yeah. So between that and a, a couple of other events, um, yeah, I just started taking care of myself actually. And, and so the, al- the alcoholism actually came after, uh, I lost the weight though. So I lost about 110 pounds in 2018. Um, I actually went and got surgery, took care of myself, uh, took a chance basically. Um, so I had uh, 80% of my stomach removed, um, which is a, wow. a procedure that uh, I don't regret doing whatsoever, but it did change my life. It made, you know, all of a sudden weight started dropping. People started treating me differently, mostly positively, but surprising to me and kind of frustrating as well. Um, but also I, I could get drunk faster. You know, I used to be able to put back all sorts of drinks with a big stomach with lots of food in it. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden you, you, all of a sudden you've got a much smaller, a banana sized stomach. You start pummeling booze in there and I'm a whiskey drinker, a scotch drinker. So it's pretty high refined sugar. And uh, yeah, it just started getting out of hand pretty quick. And right around the same time, the business that I had was collapsing uh, due to a, a, a fellow I was working with that turned out to be a bit of a narcissist, borderline sociopath and, or, and uh, you know, rocked my business down to the core that I'm still recovering from mm-hmm. um but yeah so all of that kind of led to alcoholism led to me having a couple of conversations uh with some people and about a year and a half of uh thinking about what to do and like always trying to patch things up in the only ways i knew how uh and then one eventually i just kind of surrendered and uh met a couple and uh, up island and I uh, went and had a shamanic experience, a psychedelic experience over a weekend, had my mind, my head blown off basically, and uh, started a new life uh, on the Monday. I uh, came back in town, started making little changes, little ripples, and then started digging into figuring out who I was, getting into sort of personal integrity or personal authority. Um, I realized that I was giving away uh, far too much of myself to everybody. I was patching holes in the dam. I was trying to please everyone. And I started creating boundaries and saying no and um, putting self-care first. And once I started doing that, a trend developed where my life got better, but also the people around me started to have kind of a ripple effect as well. So, yeah. So it's been a been a pretty crazy journey but the last year and a half i just am gaining speed and um uh just every day i kind of feel a bit better than i did the day before so it's i think i've i've found i figured out a couple shortcuts that uh, seem to be working for me so now did you put the bottle down altogether? i did for a while but i actually chose not to and I, i did that because i like having a drink so what i did is i changed my relationship with alcohol um, my dad's Scottish. I like to have a dram with my dad, right? You know, go play cards and and have a drink. He's he's uh, it's what he enjoys doing. It's his heritage, and I don't want to take that from him. But I also like having a drink, so I had to definitely change 
my relationship with alcohol. So it started with a bit of cold turkey for about four months, then a little experimentation with it. And then, oops, I can, you know, I can enjoy it quickly. So it's what I realized once I had addressed why I was drinking because of unhappiness, because of all the things I was doing, I was using it as a tool to drown everything. Um, Once I kind of realized what it was all about, I was able to shift my relationship with it. So I can still have too many drinks if I'm having a good time, but I I know I'm doing it versus being unaware, if that makes sense. Um, what I learned for me, and I don't know how, I think this is probably true for a lot of people, is um, booze is highly refined sugar. Um, when we're anxious, um, we crave sugar. Mm-hmm. And so when I was actually, you know, on this weekend where I had my head blown off, I, obviously talking about alcohol came up a lot. And uh, the fellow there was saying, well, you know, if you drink a lot of, uh, if you drink a lot of scotch, you're, you're probably chasing the sugar high. And I was like, oh, so you, you're, what you're saying is if I put jelly beans in my scotch, cause I think I've invented some cool new drink that that's like even worse. And he's like, oh yeah, but that's, that's a problem. <laughs> and so, cause I was doing that. I was actually thought I invented some new, uh, dessert, you know, put jelly beans in a scotch, watch the, uh, scotch burn the, the glossy outer shell off it. It was extra sugar, but no, that was really just a cry for help. So mm. once I tapped alcohol and sugar to anxiety, I started working on the anxiety. And that's where my relationship with booze changed. So now I have a drink. Sometimes I have too much, Sometimes, but most of the times it's actually, um, yeah, I just feel I have a very different relationship with it. It's probably the habits are still there if they still creep back, but I'm aware of them versus burying them, if that makes sense. I'm comedian David Race in Los Angeles. I host a celebrity-filled paranormal talk show like no other. Monstrosity has great guests answering weird questions. You won't believe the combo of celebrities and paranormal experts who've been on this show. I guarantee you'll like Monstrosity, or you get your time back. Go to monstrositypodcast.com right now and take a look. I, on the other hand, I don't know when to say when, so I just have to leave it alone. And Mm -hmm. I, I drank for so long and ruined a lot of relationships and trying to get some back, but you can still tell that there's a scar there. So I, I, I try to avoid it. I know how, I know how I am mm-hmm. and it's best that I just leave it alone. Yeah. I hear that, man. And I, and I've done, I've definitely done the cold Turkey thing a bunch of times for me. It, it always felt like I was torturing myself. Like I was mm-hmm. ne- denying myself of something so that's where I, I just tried to shift the narrative to i'm worthy of things i'm worthy of self-care i put the focus there and then yeah some of that sort of uh yeah just the, the craving for it changed now it's just habitual and so it's just working on the habits now but i get yeah. it man you gotta you gotta do what works right so make sure you're staying healthy <laughs> i know that's right and what what other changes have you done in your life to to help your your health situation? Uh, well, I mean, obviously the first thing was that weight loss, and uh, and as I say, I think I said earlier, I I don't regret it, but I wish I I think had I 
uh, figured out what I figured out now, I would have avoided that. And then I'd be able to sit at a meal and enjoy a full burger. <laughs> so instead I've got this sort of like lifetime of, uh, if I eat too fast, I feel crappy. So, mm-hmm. um, but you know what, if I hadn't lost the weight, the alcoholism wouldn't, wouldn't have come on so strong. I wouldn't have had those ego deaths and I wouldn't have discovered that I was, I had it all wrong. So really it was just a catalyst. So I'm kind of, I'm, I'm grateful for that. But since then, um, plant-based medicine has become a huge part of my life. You know, that first weekend, that experience that blew my mind open to, um, uh, it just, I just learned so much that weekend. Um, and then, uh, but as someone who had never actually done any kind of drug or thing before, I grew up in Ontario in the eighties, the war on drugs was uh, high. Um, I thought that if I smoked a joint, my head would literally burst into flames, right? Like the fear of, of God was, was in me. So it was actually about eight months of, um, after this experience where I didn't have anything again, but knew that it, I'd learned so much and it told me so many things. And so it was actually like an internal battle for a long time for, um, you know, can I, can I do it again? Is it allowed? And I'm, and then saying to myself, like, dude, you're 49. <laughs> like you can make decisions for yourself. You don't have to check in with mom and dad. You don't have to, you have to check in with anybody. And that's something that I, I kind of had to just decide for myself is nobody gets to decide uh, for, for me what I need or where, or how to take care of me. So once I kind of got over that, I uh, started having a couple more uh, psilocybin magic mushroom solo experiences where I would, go deep and they were you know sometimes really hard really uh really really hard experiences but just tapped into something that i like i learned to use it as a tool then i started exploring uh microdosing um to just kind of like microdosing uh magic mushrooms for me for example um really gives me the ability to um, face whatever the obstacle is every day, right? So it just kind of gives me that little um, bit of truth uh, about what's going on, makes me feel connected. And when I start talking to people, if something doesn't feel right, um, I instead of like being old me, old fake me, or trying to be this people pleaser, I just, I, I make sure that my needs are being taken of it in that moment. So boundaries and stuff, it kind of gave me a tool to do that. So I don't know if, if you're familiar with microdosing, but a lot of people are doing it and a lot of people feel, mm-hmm. feel some euphoria, but I use it as a tool to, you know, the obstacle is the path. I use it as a tool to kind of go, no, I'm here. I'm present. Um, this isn't working for me. I'm sorry if it doesn't, if it's working for you, but we need to find some compromise here. And I started doing that over and over and over again. And then paths started to open up, took time, but um, yeah, not being a very effective tool. Um yeah, and then been exploring all sorts of other stuff since then. So, yeah, I've actually had guests on that. Uh, that's what they do is like microdosing and all that, and they they have a controlled session where they bring people in and you know they help them with things like their health and mental health and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I uh, I actually thought about doing it myself, so I got a hold of some mushrooms, and then I found out that I have such a high tolerance that even a whole bag of uh, mushrooms did nothing. Yeah, like a dull experience. Yeah. And it was I, like two seconds of, <laughs> and that was it, you know? <laughs> yeah, interesting. I've Because I've sat in, in ceremony with a lot of 
groups. I've, I've, I know some people have had some sort of null experiences and sometimes that's what the medicine was there to teach you that time. So not that I'd be like, Hey, do it again. But sometimes that you, especially with magic mushrooms, my mentor taught me like um, you get what you need. So you might go into it going, I want to deal with granddad or something, but mushrooms, no, that's not how it works. Mushrooms goes, this is what we're going to work on this time. And then the next time you pick up, if you haven't dealt with it, it's going to pick up again. It just kind of picks up where you left off. Um, you know, the, the, the why or the, what is it? Mushrooms are the, uh, the wise medicine. They pick up, you know, they're going to give you what you need, not what you're asking for. And so uh, it's, it's an interesting little uh, plant. <laughs> now, the thing with me is, you know, I'm a drug abuser and an addict. So I've tried to get, drugs out of my life but then you know i got excited when i heard oh well you could try doing psilocybin and possibly take care of all these problems and, and hmm, well it was an excuse for me to get high again mm -hmm. and i worry about that is that going to be my only focus of actually doing it is getting that high i mean do you do you worry that you might end up like that or do you think you got it under control totally uh yeah I, I used to worry about it all the time that's why i sort of graduated into it because i'd never done any drugs like i never smoked a joint and i'm a drummer a drummer of 40 years so i'm the guy in the band where people come and sit, ask me for the drugs like they assume it's in my bag or something right and i'd always <laughs> be the square that wasn't doing that so trust me i uh being a very uh clever and successful alcoholic um I was worried about being, you know, replacing that with something else. Mm -hmm. um, and I've battled with that a lot over the last year, but I have come to grips of, of um, as you know, I used this term earlier, citizen scientist. I've been testing on myself. I've been experimenting, not, and, and it's always with intention, right? When you, mm -hmm. when you do plant-based medicine, for example, it's always set setting in intention, right? The set is mindset. What is your mindset uh, as you go in, right? So, um, you know, if it's to, I just want to tap out for the day. Well, that's, that's not, <laughs> that's not doing therapy. That's just going for a drink with the boys. Cause you had a shitty day. Right. Mm -hmm. So, but if you go into it with the right mindset, you got to go in the right setting and, um, and the right intention, then things work. Right. If you've just broken up with your girlfriend, you shouldn't go out and do psilocybin because it amplifies the state you're in. So right. if you're in a good mood, it's going to be a great trip. If you're like hating life, it's don't do it and don't mix with anything because it's going to be dark. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, no, I am um, for me. No, I, I feel very confident in saying that um, it's a tool that I use regularly. Um, at this point, I microdose every day. Like I, I have my stack and I, and I actually combine a few things to give me my perfect blend. And, but I start my day with intention. I get up, I get grounded. I do some meditation. I've already had my um, stack. And so it, by an hour later, it kicks in. And all of a sudden, I'm just like in this state of flow. And uh, and then that's just kind of my everyday. I take it like someone would take coffee. And to me, it like it is mm. like coffee. It's a plant, right? I'm not taking heroin. Well, actually, I guess that comes from a plant, but definitely that's a more addictive thing. Um, I'm not taking cocaine. I'm, you know, it's magic mushrooms. It's cannabis and um, these are plants, you know, mother nature is so smart. She put the medicine in our food. Um, we just need to make sure that we use it with intention, not mm -hmm. with, um, 
yeah, trying to dull whatever's going on for us. If we're not prepared to face it, then we should probably stay away from it. So, you know, all these medicines that they throw at you, uh, you know, I've taken medicines for my uh, depression and PTSD, anxiety. All these things are supposed to help you. Mm hmm. And if you actually read the side effects, some of them say may cause thoughts of uh, self-harm. And it's like, okay, that's what I'm taking it to avoid. Mm -hmm. Well, personally, I got into more meditation. And I weaned myself off of these medications. Mm -hmm. And I'm finding myself handling my, my condition a lot better. Than when I was taking all those pills. Totally. Now, I have to say um, that I am not a doctor. <laughs> this is my personal experience. Don't do anything without talking to your doctor first. Because you know, I don't want anybody coming back and saying, Oh, I told you to quit taking your medicine. I don't know what's gonna do to you. So, but I weaned myself off of it. That's good, man. And and to, like if I'm going into a situation say on a crowded bus or something <clears throat> i i i talk myself down before i even get in once i'm in i know what i'm going to focus on i know where the exits are so i'm able to to handle it mm -hmm. i don't know i i'm assuming other people can do the same thing if they put their mind to it but I don't know that much about the plant-based uh, therapy. You know, I've just heard little bits and pieces here and there about the microdosing and what little bit I've learned from my guests. But uh, do you go out and advocate for it or and teach others, or you just how do you how are you doing this? It's an interesting question because I'm starting to. Um, but you know, it's like you said, I'm not a doctor. Um, and uh but so all, all i'm doing lately and that's part of the reason why i reached out to you just to be on a show is i need to practice talking about this and getting comfortable with talking about things that weren't i would never have spoken about before but this information needs to get out there so you know i'm not a doctor i i'd be willing to play one on tv um <laughs> you know but um i i'm only sharing what i'm learning about me and what's working for me in hopes that other people might hear it. Cause there is a lot of propaganda that comes from government comes from church comes from corporations, right? Every one of them is trying to sell us something. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, if you can't, not if you can't, if you, if you're not, if you get out of alignment of yourself and what it is you need and who you are, then you start listening to someone else telling you and, and like, it's what worked for them. Just like me sitting here saying that this worked for me. I want to, I want to make sure what I'm saying may not work for anybody, but for me, man, it worked. And it started with getting curious about me and tuning everything else out. Mm -hmm. And so I just took all sorts of dramatic changes. You know, I've, 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 because I'm in technology and, and music, I still need to be in social media, but I use that differently. Right. I, all notifications are off. All the apps are not on the home screen of my phone. Um, you know, the best app on your phone is airplane mode, right? Like just anytime I can. And so I check in with it a couple of times a day. I let myself, but it's more about me posting something that's of interest to me and not worrying about whether people like it or comment on it, because, you know, whatever they think of me is none of my business. So it's just way easier to just 
remove that. And so by nature of that, I also don't get the news, which is really great because the news is all garbage anyways. You know, we're hearing about UFOs flying over and, and uh, balloons being shot down. And that's all just to distract us from other things that are going on that are really uncool, right? It's the usual story. Let's go start a war somewhere because we don't want people to look at this problem. Like yeah. it's right. So what's funny is I get people all the time saying, well, how do you know what's going on? I'm like, people will tell me like within four minutes, I am going to know like when the queen died, I don't follow any news or social media. I still knew within three minutes of the announcement because it was on everybody else's lips. So I'm not missing out on anything, but I get to hear it from people, ask questions about what they heard, find out if they actually know what they're talking about. And most people don't because people are just capture a clickbait title and <laughs> that's, they've already come to conclusions. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, I forget what your original question was because I was rambling, but um, <laughs> I, I, I think it was, um, yeah, like, well, part of around plant-based medicine, right? Um, this is a, this is a plant, you know, uh, mushrooms and cannabis are plants. Um, we actually, I've, I've done a lot of digging on my own and I've learned that we have receptors in our bodies for these. We're actually it meant to have these plants and did thousands of years ago. Right. There's this concept of the stoned ape theory of how humans became to be is that it was um, apes ate some mushrooms and they're the size of their brain expanded. Right. So um, that I started digging into that. I'm like, oh, my goodness, like we used to have this thousands of years ago. It made us feel great. Uh, it made us invent Santa Claus, um, you know, all these things and government churches, everyone that's seeking power made these things, told us that these things were bad for us. We believe them. And uh, I, I think if there's any message I want to say is just, uh, you know, if it comes out of the ground, nobody should be profiting from it, right? The reason Big Pharma exists is to sell us medicine. We can yep. grow it in our backyard. But if we grow uh, something that would grow like a cucumber in our backyard, we can go to jail. I mean, that's just messed up. And my understanding of that is, you know, the war on drugs was Nixon and wanted everyone to go uh, go to war and everybody was getting high and it was the flower power movement and everybody was having sex and hugging each other and um, they couldn't get anyone to go fight battles in other countries for them. So they made, they lumped in plant medicine with actual harmful drugs, you know, like there are definitely a lot of harmful drugs out there, but I think oh, yeah. it's plant-based medicine. I think it's been completely unfairly and, and like uh, more than unfairly it's been grossly misrepresented now i know as soon as i say that there'll be people that might hear this that would go well you know my drugs killed my brother or whatever but just like you know uh people guns don't kill people people pulling a trigger kill people right exactly. same thing with same thing with medicine or drugs someone put it in their body they either did it themselves because they were so unhappy or, or, you know, in the worst case, someone gave it to them and tried to harm them. Um, but it's not, it's not the thing itself, right? It's hurt people, hurt people. And there's a lot of that going on. So, um, yeah, I think, um, I, I, I'd like to see it. Well, I think we, I think there's already a renaissance happening of, of plant-based medicine. I'm not sure what it's like in Austin, but, you know, here in Canada, um, cannabis is legal. It's controlled it's controlled so that the government can make money. Cause if I could just grow up in my backyard, why wouldn't I, <laughs> but I can't. So instead it's controlled and it's, it's still built around fear. Don't have too much, et cetera. And there's good reasons to 
uh, be understand well there's great reasons to understand the dosage <laughs> um but yeah no it's 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 a shit show i think uh psilocybin will be illegal in canada within the next couple of years they actually introduced a new law here and i'm again i'm not a lawyer either nor am i a doctor but i'm fairly certain that the new understanding is you're allowed to have up to two grams of any um uh drug on your person now in canada oh wow and so you know it was my my father the other day was was you know upset about this i'm like that's terrible and i'm like no dad what you don't you're not thinking about is um people that are uh have an addiction can't even go talk to anyone about it because the first thing they're going to be asked is do you have any on your person if you do then you get incarcerated and then you get help so you know i should be able to carry two grams of plant medicine with me if i want to and and i now can but if i and i I wouldn't be doing (laughs) crystal meth but if i had some crystal meth on me and i needed help i could at least say i've got some on me can you help me like we can have a conversation about it, right? So it's going to take a long time until I think people understand that there's actually, that's a good thing is to allow that and to stop trying to tell people what to do because we're just getting hammered with garbage, insurance and pharmaceuticals. And it's all, it's all greed based money. And uh, it's, it's gross. It's disgusting. So, yeah. You know, I'm working alongside a veterans organization and we have, these guys come back from war you know they've been trained basically as an attack dog and then released back into society and expect them to just adjust like that but they come back and they have different mental problems and other health problems and what do most people do when they have a mental problem is they go out and they treat it with drugs mm-hmm. alcohol is a drug and that's one of the first things they usually go for and then the next thing you know they're doing heroin or whatever else they can get their hands on mm-hmm. and they get arrested they get thrown in jail we're punishing you after what we've already punished you with basically mm-hmm. we've and got profiting a f- from it and profiting from exactly and we need to figure out some other way to help these folks and it shouldn't just be only veterans get help for you know drug problems and mental problems it should be everyone because you know i've told the story over and over again how i was molested when i was a child and one of the ways i coped with it at age 12 i started drinking and doing drugs and it just got worse and worse and worse. And should I be punished more because of that? Should, you know, Sally down the road who, you know, had been tossed around from one person to another and, and you know, taken advantage of and her way of coping with it is, you know, putting a needle in her arm. Should we punish her more? That's not right to me. Totally. Trauma is a very interesting thing, right? There's PTSD, like it's a form of trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, And we all have it. And we all have it in small forms and big forms. And trauma can get compounded. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I had, I, through medicine, I've actually gone back to being four. I've gone back to being eight and actually discovered key points in my life where 
something happened that affirmed for me a belief about myself. And then I started building a shell of armor around that because it'd be like, ah, see, I knew that happens. It always happens to me. And it, it compounds and compounds and compounds. Mm-hmm. So, you know, someone going to war and seeing their best friend get shot in the face, you know, that's going to seriously mess your head up. But it's actually small things too. And, and it might have been the reason you were in that position where that happened was from a series of other traumas that led you there, right? Like it's just part of that life experience and it's... Uh, trauma is trauma is, is the main thing I've been working on for the last two years. Like, how did I get to the place I did where I was 310 pounds? How did I get to the place where my best friend um, totally screwed me in my business and my family? You know, how did I, but, you know, I got there by making a series of decisions and I had to take responsibility for it. But I also was super curious as how I got there. And so digging into trauma came down to a belief I had about myself in grade four, or this thing happened when I was two. And uh, now that I've, you know, figured out what those things are, experienced them, um, and like re-experienced them, basically, because you can, in medicine, you can basically be transported right back to that moment. But it's very different when you view it as an adult. You're like, you can actually like witness what happened. You can go, okay, bud, that sucked but we don't need to do this anymore. We don't need to believe that anymore. We can actually, you know, you're basically giving your younger self a, a hug, right? And uh, yeah, it's powerful. So that's, uh, so, you know, you're talking about PTSD. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm a, definitely a bit of an anarchist these days, but so, uh, so <laughs> hang on to your hats, but like in Canada with the, uh, with the military here, um, there's this concept of top secret status. You know, you earn top secret status, and why you have that? Once you have that, um, you know, um, it's like a badge of honor. But this mm-hmm. badge of honor, I'm seeing it hurting people. Like I know of several cases now where people have been in uh, battle or in a seriously deep, dark, scary place, experienced PTSD in a military type situation, and uh, you know, the, some cases it's an injury or whatever. They get transported home, and their files all redacted. It's all a bunch of black blocks, right? You can't read what even happened to you. So they're taking away your ability to find out even what happened so that you can heal from it. And what they do is they hold this badge of top secret in front of you. Like you can, uh, my understanding is you can have these things unredacted, but you'd have to give up your top secret status. Well, you've been indoctrinated in the military to believe that that's the most important thing you can wear on your, your, your uniform right or whatever i mean i guess you don't wear but like you you carry it like a badge of honor yeah and it's killing it's killing people and you know what it's all about hiding what happened it's hiding someone made a mistake and they don't want the mistake to be known because that means someone will get sued and it'll cost someone money and we'll have to get lawyers involved again so these people are suffering for all the wrong reasons and at the end of the day if they're suffering just to hold on to some dumb ass you know secret handshake belief that serves no value especially Mm -hmm. if you like you leave the military what do you need top secret status for they're not going to pull you back into a secret room and give you you know some special clearance one day later they've already moved on onto their next (laughs) round of victims so kind of like getting that uh that card from walmart and said preferred customer on it yeah yeah (laughs) <laughs> what doesn't really mean anything does it nope, nope. well besides your advocation here with the the plant-based uh therapy 
Mm -hmm. uh, do you have a couple of websites that I went to look at? One of them was, uh, was it Rockin' Bingo and <laughs> Rockin' yeah. Night, something like that? So tell me a little bit about that. Well, you know, because you asked me like who I was. So I was this computer consultant guy. So I, mm -hmm. I lived in Bermuda in uh, from 1998 to 2003. Uh, great experience, super cool. Got to be this high-end IT guy in this cool place and flying all over. But when I, the last guys, or no, not the last guys, the, the job before my last job there, I worked for two guys that made me feel a foot tall. I was like a fantastic worker for them. I was making tons of money, but they made me, they, they just, they were not good people to me. Mm. But I left Bermuda coming back with a, with a daughter and a son on the way going, like, apparently any idiot can run a business. I'll show them. So I started a computer consulting company, not on like, I want, I'm excited about starting a computer consulting company. I started because I'll show those dickheads that anybody can run a business. Right. Well, you know what? They didn't even notice. Right. So <laughs> jokes on me. I built a very successful business for five years. Then I kind of was not phoning it in. I certainly just wasn't enjoying it anymore, but I didn't know it. Right. I was in um, safety mode. My kids are growing up. I want to make sure they were well taken care of. I was, I was in take care of family first and you know that family first is a great idea but really got to take care of yourself first so you have the energy to take care of others <laughs> that's what i learned right so definitely um then i met this guy who you know thought i was he was my best friend i put him he was in my will he was the trustee of my kids he was going to become a partner in the business and then all hell broke loose and it turned out it was all a lie and so that that shook me to my core that was an ego death that led to me um, entering COVID already, you know, limping, <laughs> but, uh, you know, started doing that. So um, I, instead of selling that business or just like tapping out right when the universe was saying, Hey, you, this is not for you. I just started starting new businesses. <laughs> so, um, and it, it was, it made sense at the time because we were computer, a computer consulting firm. We had developers on hand, um, I'm a drummer and and love playing music. I um and but getting gigs was hard. Um, you know, you're only if you're a cover band or whatever, you're only as good as how many friends you bring in. Well, being pretty introverted and the whole band being pretty introverted, we weren't getting a lot of gigs because we would we would be awesome, great band, but no one would come back because your friends come once, right? Like, oh, I'd love to support you and then try to get them a second time. It doesn't happen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, well, I'm going to come up with a concept. So I came up with this concept of um, live band music bingo. So I don't know if music bingo is a thing in Austin, but in out West here, it's a it's in like every bar. So it's basically like, you know, on bingo under the B, the number one under the I, but you do it with music. So you play a clip for 20, 30 seconds. You'd be like under the B, it's... Um, uh, living on a prayer by bon jovi and people sing along and they're having fun and they're having a good time but they're also playing a game and win prizes so music bingo has been around a long time and um but i wanted to do that with my band because i thought ah there you go i've created a concept where bars would want you back because they're not coming to see me and the boys they're coming to play this game and it ended up being super fun for us too because we can now play 150 songs in a night instead of 25 because we're only playing 20 to 30 seconds um, the crowds engage. It's kind of like a piano bar vibe, except it's with four of us, right? So you're like interacting with the crowd. If they really like the song, we can keep going. So we're kind of like playing with the room. Mm -hmm. So that concept really worked. Um, but doing it to paper didn't make sense during COVID. You're handling paper. And I wanted to build an app. 
So I tapped the team to build a web-based service. So um, so basically, long story short, the, the live band music bingo thing is Rockstar Nights. And the platform we built is called Rockstar Bingo. And it's actually a platform that, you know, what are we, uh, almost two years later, and it's in 14 countries and growing. So it, wow. I basically created my new career. And so I'm, I'm slowly dismantling Sean, the IT guy, and becoming Sean the drummer that has some apps that pays the bills. And so that's kind of what's going on. And I've started a few other apps and I definitely have a very busy brain and like to be active. So, you know, I, I think we've got four, four companies now and we're starting another one. In fact, the space that I'm in here right now is, was the office space for the computer consulting company. But on, was it March 16th, 2020, everyone grabbed their laptops and a chair and went home and never came back because in computer consulting, they could do it from home, right? So the space is sat empty and lonely. So we're turning this into a, a wellness, uh, a community wellness center. So it's oh, going to be med- cool. meditation, um, yoga, um, ganja, yoga, uh, yoga nidra, uh, sound bathing, um, uh, all sorts of stuff. So basically, we're going to call this place Funky Town. And uh, I think we're going to be opening in about three weeks. So that's kind of exciting and making all sorts of new connections. And yeah, it's pretty, pretty interesting that it's all come full circle. I went from computer guy to guy kind of in the healing space reluctantly like really it's just sharing the things that i've learned with with folks because you know plant medicine is part of it but as you alluded to meditation and breath work and just getting quiet in yourself is actually super super powerful right it's and it really is you know i've learned that uh that, you know, it's called a yoga practice. It's a meditation practice. You can't just do it once and be like, oh yeah, I'm good. Like it just doesn't work that way, right? The brain takes a while to be trained. And uh, I went in on like writing it off for years, but I had to actually do it for a while. And now it's just something like I deserve having some meditation time. I deserve uh, having some yoga. And if you look back and again, I'm a deep researcher, but like thousands of years ago, yoga was what kings did. You know, that's what the elite did was they were doing yoga because they knew they had to take care of their mind, body, and spirit. These days, it's, we just assume that it's like punishment, you know, or, or we have a, like a very different idea of what it is and it's really unhealthy. So, yeah. So I guess, yeah, I'm an advocate for, uh, breath work, meditation, um, somatic trauma release so that's that whole you know getting quiet with your body and listening to it and trying to find the dis-ease in your body the whole metaphysical thing i'm into quantum physics and uh yeah i'm into kind of all of it so this wellness center is going to be kind of a a place to come and do yoga it's a place to come and and do ecstatic dance um it's a place to i'll probably be showing people how to use computers still because i still like doing that like it'll just be a place to you'll be you'll come here to learn something um, even if it's how, you know, sound frequencies work. Cause that's, I mean, I'm into all kinds of stuff, man. <laughs> <laughs> and what is the, uh, rock star nights? So that's the live band version of music bingo. So there's, there's oh, okay. rock star bingo. It's the app that other people, other hosts, uh, use to deliver music bingo in their bars. So you connect with Spotify. They're just, they, so basically they're empowering hosts all over the place. Oh, Rockstar okay. nights is the live band version of it and that's something i want it to be the cirque du soleil of the the bar circuit one day like i'd love to have a home base much like you know cirque du soleil has a bunch of places in vegas and then they also tour it i'd like to do that but with this music bingo concept because it's actually a ton of fun Um, we're going up island saturday playing at a theater there i'm pretty excited about that 
so yeah it's it's starting to become a thing man it's, it's definitely a new me <laughs> <laughs> are you writing a, a book uh a few people suggested I, I maybe should um i i know i've got some ideas around sharing shortcuts and things that i've figured out i don't know if do people read books i listen to books and me it's kind of like you know youtube shorts maybe maybe a a book of sorts, but it's kind of more like, here's a series of things like I'm anxious. Uh, this is what I do to do breath work for anxiety, or, you know, I have back pain. This is what I would look at first before, um, you know, immediately jumping to pharmaceutical or like throwing more Advil in. Like I used to, I used to be on high blood pressure meds. I used to have, um, sleep apnea that, mm. that after that weekend that I went and had my mind blown and there was you know we did chakra work we did medicine obviously like and heroic doses of it so it was intense um but they suggested hey why don't you just try sleeping without your sleep apnea machine and i've never used it since wow and so um yeah it was and i was i had heavy duty sleep apnea even after the weight loss i still had it i mean it was it was less than when i was much larger but i still had significant sleep apnea but when i went there that weekend I had such an experience that I felt like my chest expanded three times, like, like the Grinch, you know, at the end of the movie, whereas I just felt like my heart actually kind of semi exploded on my chest. And I've been working on that ever since. Right. That's partly breath work and stuff. So shoot, maybe you can make DVDs and, you know, be kind of like uh, the next Jane Fonda, but for what you do. (laughs) Yeah. It's all out there though. Right. So I don't know what anyone need to hear from someone else saying it i I think if anything i'm just kind of compiling it like a taste maker like these are the things that suited my taste maybe uh maybe some of these tips will help someone else but there's just so much out there i mean that's all i I got most of my information from youtube you know it's really there's a a, i mean there's a lot of crap information on there too but um there's it's all there if you know how to to dig for it and and you recognize that you're you don't have to believe it all. Like I, I've experimented with a few things. I'm like, no, nope, that's not for me, but I gave it a try. Right. Let's just see if this works. So yeah, I've, I've discovered some really wacky stuff lately that on first whiff, I was like, no way, man, that's, that's not a thing. And now I'm like, oh yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> so um, I just you know, don't tell everyone about it sometimes because some of it's just a bit too woo. <laughs> you know, everybody has a different approach to how they, they teach. So, you know, somebody might be able to connect with you better than they could, you know, the shaman down the road. Mm -hmm. So why not give it a try? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, well, yeah. Thanks for the invite. Cause I've kind of been waiting for someone to ask me to, I think that's maybe what I need to do, but I just got to think about timing and format. Plus I got a, I had a lot of, a lot of stuff on the go, but I'll probably get around to that. I think that'd be Um, good. There's another Mohawk drummer out there who wants to know about plant life or plant-based therapy. So, you know, they're going to connect with you. Yeah. Yeah. The Mohawk's pretty new. It's been about a year now. So what's up with the Mohawk? So I, I don't even remember why I started with it. Cause I, you know, if you had asked me five years ago, I would have a Mohawk. Uh, there's no way I would have been on board with that. But about a year and a half ago, you know, everyone's having COVID haircuts, right? Everyone's growing long beards. And um, I think I was just bored. 
And I kind of just shaved a mohawk in, knowing that in a Zoom call, I could throw on a toque or a hat, right? Right. So it was like my own little secret. And uh, and so I kind of did that for about a month, but I would occasionally let people see it and gauge their response. So it's almost like that citizen scientist thing, right? Like I was just experimenting with like, do people actually care? And what I really realized is nobody did. I mean, most people didn't even notice, which I thought was strange. And then the first time I really went out in public with it is I went to the gym um, for a workout and uh, I didn't bring a baseball cap. So I went there wearing a toque because it was winter in Canada. And so I'm like, oh crap, I'm either going to have a really sweaty toque at the end, like just basically a wet, you know, rag on my head, or mm-hmm. I might as well take it off. So I took it off and I got a bunch of, dude, your hair looks awesome. Instead of like, dude, what have you done? You're 50. That's crazy. Right. I got... <laughs> and so I just did my workout and then I, I'm sure I put the toque back on, but then we went on vacation to Florida a couple of weeks later. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to walk around like this everywhere because not a single person there knows me. So at that point, it's not even like caring about what people I know think of me. It was like, these people don't know me at all. And, you know, nobody noticed. Like, you know, there's the odd person that they do a double take. I have lots of little kids telling me they love my hair. Like it's like, because they, and they just think it's cool. And so that feels good. And I always make sure, well, I love your shoes or whatever. And that makes them feel good. And you know, so it ends up being this kind of nice vibe thing, right? And then over time, I started throwing color in it. I mean, I, I don't know if you can tell, but it's like very purple. The lighting here, like it's bright purple, actually. So this, what I'm looking oh, at, yeah. it looks pretty dark, but it's it's bold. And man, I just, I don't, uh, I don't care. <laughs> I just, it's for me and I enjoy it. Um, I went through a whole period for a while there where I realized I cared what other people thought. Yep. And uh, right, because we all do. And then I and I really struggled with like, well, I I, I just I, you know, I, I don't want to be that guy that doesn't care what people think, because that's dangerous. That's where now you've you're just gone entirely negative. And I, I had an epiphany one day. And it's like, it's not I don't it's not that I don't care what people think. Um, it's care that it's that I care what I think. And then I respect what they think after that. And by flipping that narrative and being like, I care what I think. I I care that I like having a Mohawk and everyone else can just deal with it. So, and my wife, for example, who's, we've been married, will be 28 years this July. Um, Poor lady has to walk around with me in malls and stuff and have people (laughs) take a look. And she's always like, why are they always staring at us? And it's like, well, okay. Remember how I got a giant purple Mohawk in my (laughs) fifties. And, uh, I think for a while there that bothered her and she's just been a great sport ever since. Like she just kind of had to, but I had to be like, this is, this is going to be what it is, babe. (laughs) This is, this is me. And you know, and she, she's been great about it. So yeah. That I need your question. That's yeah. That's why I had the Mohawk is because I want it and I enjoy it. Also, I don't lose hats anymore because I basically got shaved head on the back. And so it's like Velcro. So if I do throw on a hat, it's, it's on. It's there. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well when i was a supervisor i had to at least look presentable so i had a decent short haircut and then when i retired just like why do i need to you know keep that that perfect hairstyle i just let it grow out I, i'm not cutting it again and I, I know you can't really tell but i mean yeah the light is pretty dark we got yeah nice I mean, I got a pretty good little ponytail going. 
Well, if you want to change the colors, I, I could, I've learned how to bleach and change colors. So oh, you hit okay. <laughs> it's two steps. It's two, two half hour moments where you're sitting there with a bunch of crap on your head and two showers. But other than that, you come out of that feeling like a, a new man. <laughs> I heard that. Well, I'm, I'm with you. You know, I care what I think. And I will respect somebody else's opinion. I don't always have to listen to their opinion. Mm-hmm. You got to make yourself happy at the end of the day, right? You know, you got one crack in this particular meat sack, so you might mm-hmm. as well in, enjoy it, right? And I think being in personal integrity is important. You know, what is it that you need? Um, and everything kind of works itself out. I've had a lot of, uh, not a lot. I've had some relationships fall away over the last year, a year and a half, because, but it turned out they didn't even notice I was missing. Like I, I went through a big purge on Facebook eight months ago and I, I just unfriended about 150 people. And they were people oh, that wow. I realized I had friended probably thinking like, like just subconsciously, it was like the Kevin Bacon, like, oh, I'll be friends with this guy because he knows this person. That's someone I'd like to meet one day or someone I could benefit from, right? That was the old mm-hmm. thinking. And so I'm, I'm maintaining these connections with these people that um, we have nothing in common. Usually they're the ones that don't agree with me if I post something on Facebook, which at this point, I don't care if people agree, as I say, like it's, I'm just stating what, what works for me, but they'd ultimately have something to say. And then I just feel conflicted. And I was like, once I unfriended some of these people, they never noticed. Like they, like literally I was keeping those relationships alive, not them. And I realized how much energy, like it just energy vampire stuff that was going on in my life. And every connection that I got rid of that wasn't authentic gave me more space and time back to make new connections. And I, I completely missed that. The former me was just like lost and didn't recognize that. And now that I see that, I'm like, all connections night need to be good. Uh, or it feel right. And, and those connections can come and go too. Like, you know, your people yeah. are here for a minute. What was it a minute, a mo- minute, a moment or a lifetime <laughs> or whatever, you know, like not, a, you don't have to keep every relationship there. You, you, you get what you need from each other and you can move on and be okay with that. Break those bonds. If there's, if there's nothing there, um, that was something I never used to do. I just maintained all relationships and was, it, it just compounded. It was, it was, energy draining keeping relationships open that weren't serving me and weren't serving them either i mean we did each other a favor so i've i've said this a million times that i've got a small circle although there's still room but uh, i i keep those people around me that have something positive to contribute to my life Mm -hmm. And I still have other friends that I love dearly, but I love them from a distance. Mm. You know, people that I've known 30, 40 years, that if they really needed me, I would be there for them. But I don't hang out with them because they're they're energy draining. You know, they want to party and they don't want to get serious about being you know, a decent human being or being successful or all these things that I'm looking for in my life. You know, I want to be a better person. I want to be a role model. I want to be successful. I want, I want my grandkids to say, Oh, I want to be like Papa when I grow up, you know, Mm -hmm. you can apply that to family too, right? You can love people in your family, but you don't have to like them. It's still a choice, right? 
And so that was some of the choices I made too, with just, you know, creating distance where the relationship wasn't serving me. I'm open to reestablishing that, but I'm not going to force anything because it just yeah. creates, uh, it's just too much work for everybody involved. Everyone's on their own path, journey, figuring their own stuff out. Some do, some don't, some are at various states of repair, <laughs> but if we're not helping each other, let's just get out of each other's way and uh, push each other well. So, Yeah, I've recently had to cut off somebody in my family who I love dearly. I still love with all my heart, but you know, just too many things that they're doing that it's just not appropriate. And yep. it's not going to serve me or my family. So I'm sorry. If, you know, if you, if you need a kidney, I'll give you a kidney. But other than that, uh, I'll just love you from over here. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you, you might actually be interfering in their destiny too. Right. If you, That's true. If, you if you actually get in the way of them experiencing the bottom they need to hit so that they can actually take responsibility for themselves. Yep. You know, I, so during um, COVID we actually kept uh, four or five employees on that we couldn't actually afford because work was really, uh, it, it was tapped out and we were struggling and partly from this previous stuff that had happened. So my wife and I were paying people from our savings instead of laying them off. Mm. and uh so that was like we we blew through finances that we didn't really have to keep people that weren't motivated <laughs> um and um you know they still left the second they got a better paying job they were like you know check you later two weeks they were gone and uh and it leaves you with a feeling of resentment of like are you kidding me i i kept you employed <laughs> uh from my savings and this is how you return it but you know what they didn't know. And some, someone said something to me, and that was the real eye-opener. They said, not only did you suffer by spending your savings on them, not only did you uh, keep them around when they weren't being useful and end up presenting them, but you actually stole from them um, an opportunity to learn. They didn't get laid off. You prolonged something that they didn't actually ask for. So it was like, so... I suffered and I'm the asshole in that scenario. It's like when I started looking at it that way, I was like, <laughs> damn it. So, you know, you need to not get in people's way, you know, and take care of yourself. Um, be there ready to listen with your heart when when it's time and not interfere. I, I learned that I was constantly trying to save everybody instead of myself. Yeah. Um, I spent way too much energy on that. Right. And, yeah. uh, I realized that the more self-care I've taken, the more I'm able to do for others because I was, I didn't actually have energy to be present or relaxed around people because I was dying inside. So as soon as I got to a point where I was in the best self-care for myself, I had time and space to be relaxed, be present, and then actually sit and listen and talk to people. So I would have been diagnosed with, uh, ADHD as a kid, for sure. I have a very, 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 very busy brain. Um, and uh, it has taken a lot of effort and work to, to quiet it, but I've it's quiet now. And I realize that, you know, you hear these stats all the time, like we have 70,000 thoughts a day and 85% of those are negative self-talk. So when you think about a busy brain, just going, you're stupid. This is why this happens. You suck, you know, da, 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 da. 
that yeah. brain I've, I've quieted it now. Like it's that, that is a lot, a huge part of that is gone and I'm still on it. And that partly that's been, you know, this tra- trauma somatic kind of release. It's finding the right um, stack daily, you know, my daily medicine stack that's, that works for me. Right. So I, I like my cup of coffee. I have one around 1130 and it's cause I need to pick me up then. So instead of starting my day with, Oh, I need my cup of coffee or I won't function. I don't need a cup of coffee in the morning or I won't function. I start with some breath work, some yoga nidra. Have you ever, have you ever tried a yoga nidra? No, dude, it's basically a nap. It's like, it's, it's amazing. So it's basically anywhere from a 10 to 30 minute uh, guided naps, n- guided yoga nidra that I got uh, on uh, YouTube. And basically you just, you know, these, these little sessions are a person walking you through slowing your breathing down, breathing in deeply through your nose, out through your mouth. And then actually she, the one I listened to, her name's Allie. It's fantastic. And she walks you through connecting to different parts of your body. So she'll be like, you know, imagine the, uh, your, the, the, your nostrils and, and, and picture the no, the air coming through your nose and then your eyebrows. And then you're going to release the tension around your forehead and you're just doing this curled up in a blanket, lying down. You can lie down. You don't have to like sit up and be prone and be like, you know, hardcore meditation. This is just a nap. Um, but when I come out of it, man, I, I'm so relaxed. All anxiety is gone. Um, Andrew Huberman, I don't know if you follow him, but he's uh, really uh, deep guy in, in sort of like brain health space on YouTube. And, and yeah. uh he says he does yoga nidra twice a day for 15 minutes and he equated it. I think he did, or if he didn't, I believe that 15 minutes of yoga nidra is equivalent of about a four hour sleep, like oh, a deep wow. restful sleep. So I'm my latest experiment is, you know, maybe I just won't keep regular sleep schedules. I'll just like every four hours have a 15 minute power nap and then just get more done. I'm not just sure keep... I'm on board with that. Cause that's disruptive to my family's <laughs> setup, but I'm thinking about it. So <laughs> yeah, it's yoga nidra, man. I might want to check that out. It's, it's awesome. It's just a nap. It's a very cozy nap, but guided and all about getting grounded and quiet in your body so that you can prepare for the next decision that's coming. Cause that's what the day is, is you know, a whole series of decisions you got to make. I'm going to have to look into that. Yeah. Now, if anybody wants to get a hold of you, do you have a, like a website or something? Yeah, I got a bunch, um, but uh, the best place is uh, uh, brainlitter.com. So I started a, a website 18 years ago. I call it Brain Litter because it was basically all the crap that falls out of my head. And uh, so, and it's at the time it was all techie stuff. I haven't actually posted anything on there in a while, but my contact information is on there. I post the odd thing. I think I will be doing more and more in this space, particularly as we open this wellness center, I think we'll want to, you know, share more tips and that'll drive people to our business and, and, you know, have them come and seek us out. So content there will probably increase over time, but yeah. Yeah. So long story, brainlayer.com. It's the shit that falls out of my head so I can find it later. <laughs> and what about social media? Uh, yeah, I think if you just look for Sean Malbridge, um, oh, actually, you know, all that stuff on is on brain litter as well, right on the contact page. I think I've got all the links there. So, um, I recently renamed my Twitter, uh, cause it used to say regroup underscore Sean. That was the name of my business and my company. I'm like, that's not who I am. So I recently renamed it to, uh, Mohawk Muppet. Cause I definitely got a, <laughs> come to realize I'm a bit of a Muppet. 
Um, <laughs> in fact, this hair on was pink last week and uh, definitely looked like Beaker. And as a sort of mad scientist, it actually <laughs> kind of lines up. So, yeah. So Mohawk at Mohawk Muppet, I think is my Twitter. I'm not a big tweeter or Twitter. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not big on that. Space, I'm, not, but... I'm not Twitter pated. Yeah. No. <laughs> I think I saw one of your posts that says Meeper's going to meet. Oh, I've got a shirt that says that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. saw one of your posts that saw, saw that shirt. Yeah. You said Beaker. That reminded me of that. But yeah, you're what? Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, yeah. and Twitter? Yeah. All those things. Yeah. All right. I'm going to put those links up in the description so people can mm-hmm. easily find you. But Sean, man, this has been fun, man. Yeah, dude. I enjoyed talking to you. And uh, it's a nice way to start the day with uh, a new connection. That's always good. Well, I wish you all the success in the world, man. Yeah, thanks, man. You too, eh? And uh, I might be in Austin before you know it. There's a whole bunch of reasons I want to go there. Um, so I, I, if I if I make my way out there, I'll, I'll shoot you a, a note. Yeah, let me know. Be glad to take you out to eat somewhere. Cool. Well, I'm an inexpensive date. I don't eat a lot. So. Gotcha. <laughs> well. All right, dude. And also want to thank all you folks out there. If this is your first time, I appreciate you stopping by the channel and I hope you'll come back for my regulars. And I love y'all because you make it possible for me to do this. So until the next one, everyone, please take care. Be kind to one another. God bless and peace. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Listen to the Vibes. You can catch us on Buzzsprout or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook at The Vibes Broadcast Network 